Welcome back, Rainbow Brigade. We are wrapping up Pride Month. We are flying our freak flags. It's It's been a pretty fantastic month for me. I'm Nate the Fool, always and forever, and you already know his name, but he's going to introduce himself anyway. Rob the Scala. Yeah. Rob, did you manage to do anything fun this month for Pride? So... California has given us the option of two specific prides in LA and <laughs> for 2022 I did not get to enjoy either of them. Oh. Yeah, unfortunately a close person of mine got covid. And because of exposure it was safe for me to not attend any of the festivities. So I stayed home both weekends. So I enjoyed myself and just watched Bridgerton. And (laughs) 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 Um, I'm trying to remember the other thing that I watched. It was kind of gay, but yeah, I just, just stayed (laughs) home really. So kind of (laughs) gay. Oh, well, don't feel bad, Rob. I didn't go to either pride. I was invited to the second weekend on the 11th or whatever day that was. Um, But then uh, my friend Gilbert, who invited me, he got sick. He had the flu. So I was like, well, I'm not going. (laughs) I mean, I I didn't have my heart set on going anyway because so crowded, so crowded. But I did manage to go on a trip to the gayest city in the world. Let me tell you, Salt Lake City. (laughs) <laughs> they are LGBT up there. Don't don't be fooled, okay? Like I know the Mormons like run shit, but everywhere we went, all the businesses, all the houses, all the apartment buildings, you could see multiple pride flags and it wasn't like all of these places were gay bars or whatever. They were just they just had their flags and a lot of them were very faded flags. So I was like, "Oh, this gives me the impression that these flags are just up all the time. It doesn't matter if it's June. Um, yeah, I had a That's great awesome. time. That's yeah. good. So if you want to go to a gay place, go to Salt Lake City. <laughs> so, I mean, for, for those of the darker persuasion, would you have said the same thing? Yeah. Okay. Um, I went with a black man and he had a great time. Actually, I mean, and so like, I don't, I can't talk about the state of Utah. I don't know what they got going on everywhere else. I've heard some people say, hmm, you're on your own if you leave Salt Lake City. But the city itself is actually, yeah, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty diverse. And I guess it's like the one little blue hub in the state. Uh, I know that, you know, they're hopping on the abortion, anti-abortion train real quick, but, um, or maybe they already were. I I highly recommend it to, to everyone. Nice. And beautiful, beautiful scenery. I know we have mountains in LA, but God, I must have never seen a cloud before. Jesus. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. So for this month's horror movie night, I had friends over to watch sort of films that involve sort of the, a gay theme or storyline or maybe even characters. 
and we decided to watch the 1983 film uh, Siege, which is also known as Self-Defense. And basically, a gay bar is hit by a group of sociopaths, and all the patrons in the bar are killed except for one man who escapes and takes refuge in an apartment accompanied by a group of friends not his friends but a group of friends who will do anything <laughs> to protect him as well as themselves and survive the siege so it's sort of like assault on 13th precinct or you know something like that where everybody's just sort of held up in one location while a bunch of assailants from all around them try and get in and take them all out the reason why I chose this film was because all of these people did band together to help this gay guy when they could have easily just given him up to the wild. And I just thought it was really nice for them to put their lives ahead of their own, you know, and, and help this guy. So uh, what did you think of the movie, Nate? It was actually a nice little surprise. I I mean, you know, it starts and it's like a 80s Look at this grady ass film. It was surprising. I mean, it was definitely upsetting. Kill everyone in this bar. Just whether you are part of the LGBT community or not, I think it'll still be annoying and frustrating when these idiots come in and start harassing people. It's um, so yes, it, it's disturbing. But I, but I did like it. I once he he runs and he's being protected by this group of people is a very interesting group of friends and they one of them in particular chester what a great character he i don't they never really explained like why he was such a macgyver and just was pulling tricks out of his ass i don't know it was it was great yeah they tried to even the playing field and give the people inside of this apartment sort of a fair advantage against all of the people outside with guns and, and weapons and one of the people who live in this in this apartment building just had an arsenal of weapons from whatever background he was on so he was also skilled in using them and so it sort of helped them get through the evening and and sort of make it a fair fight but unfortunately some of the people in the apartment building one of them was blind mm -hmm. and I think, or two people were, or was it just the one? Were, one, I think, was completely blind. The other one, he was basically, like, he had really bad Sight. eyesight. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they really tried, tried to pull that sympathy card out. But I think, like, if you were to watch the trailer, I think some of the tone might be lost, and it may seem like a very silly movie. Um, yeah. Not great special effects or sound editing, things like that. But I think if you watch the movie, it does play out as a typical home invasion type film. And I found myself to be in a little suspense with it. It's not as bad as I thought it was going to be, but I just wanted to see how they would handle this type of thing. Because obviously in the 80s, you know, the gays really had it rough. And so I, I was very curious how they were going to treat it. Uh we, I believe, ended up watching this through Shudder. So if you have Shudder, it is available on there. And uh, yeah, yeah. So we tried that. And then we also watched a second film because <laughs> The Room wanted something completely campy, nothing to think about, something to tone down what we had yeah. previously watched. Yeah. And I had suggested a film that I randomly found on YouTube 
which I believe is now on Peacock. And that was Bite Marks, which is a vampire film, but also a gay film. Two out of the three main characters is a gay couple. And then there's a questioning, curious, straight guy. And they all are dealing with vampires at this junkyard. And it's super cheesy and campy. There's some gay sex in there. A lot of innuendos. And it even has a special guest who is in vampire sort of legacy. I shouldn't say royalty, but he is known for his vampire character from a different film. And I think the real big reason why this movie was even made and had him in it just to put in that Easter egg. So, yeah, the movie obviously ended up being super ridiculous. But again, they got their wish. They got something that was just completely dumb and campy and sort of fun to watch. And it was definitely fitting the theme of Pride Month. So what did you think of Bite Marks? I had a great time just talking shit. Yes, Greg and I tore that movie to shreds. It's ridiculous. Um, (laughs) God, so fucking ridiculous. Um, Yeah, none of the characters are particularly likable. So whatever but it was fun we had a great time i think and you know i wouldn't watch it again no but you know what (laughs) some say that gay horror is is very absent and and you have to search but some of these little nuggets are in there and this just happens to be one of them so the movie's called bite marks if you're interested yeah and i think it's one of the few films that's set it's set somewhere in like wyoming i think For anyone who's not living in Los Angeles, I'm so sorry. But for anyone who is living in or around Los Angeles, there is a place called Mystic Museum, and it's in Burbank. So it's part of L.A. County, but it's like a little off to the side. And uh, Mystic Museum, it's really cute. I think it's like open year round. They have a store with lots of merchandise, and they have ongoing exhibits horror exhibits for movies and right now their current exhibit or one of their current exhibits is 90s slasher and rob and i we got to go and honestly it's it's a a slightly smaller exhibit you know it's like there's like three rooms basically maybe you could say four i had a great time i thought it was fun and you know I think they did a great job curating everything. Yeah. Um, For the three rooms that were created, they definitely made a atmosphere that you can sort of embed yourself in, like interact mm -hmm. with, you know, tons of photo ops. And it wasn't just for, you know, looksies, you know, you got to really sort of embrace the surroundings that you were in and feel like you were part of that movie. Uh, just to give a, a brief description, they did Scream full on. Mm-hmm. They had two rooms out of the four yeah. devoted just to Scream. The kitchen scene with Drew Barrymore and the party scene with the couch, Randy, and the uh, television playing <laughs> Halloween. And I, I got to say what they did with that was, was really nice. And then they also give you a key that if you put in a keyhole it'll it'll activate something and so again you feel more embedded in the film uh they used a candy man 
The Ring, Nightbreed, The Shining, or may I don't know if I saw The Shining. What they used, um, Signs mm. of the Lambs. That's what it was. Uh, yeah. I know she did last summer. I believe Tremors was there. They had a big yeah. giant display of the Tremor monster, which I thought were what's yeah. it called? What are they called? Um, crap! Oh, what are they called? called? Oh, They're, oh my uh, goodness! I was gonna say crawlies, but no. Um, oh, what are they called? The the worms grabbers? The... Aren't they like grabbers or something? Grabbers, graboids, yeah, yeah. graboids or something? Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> that'll kill me yeah so i i think they did a really great job it's part of this sort of like shop that has a bunch of like antique and not a cult but just mm-hmm. like gothic dark stuff you know books on yeah. like spirituality yeah. and things like that and lots of memorabilia um they had uh, uh the canoe with jason as a little boy <laughs> who pops out that's very interactive yeah. And yeah, I, I actually enjoy it. And so this Mystic Museum is around 365, but they just turned it into this sort of like pop up with 90s slasher. And um, yeah, I hope to see stuff like that again. We'll be posting pictures um, regarding our visit on our Instagram page. And that's um, fear bias, all one word on uh, Instagram. So definitely check that out. Welcome to the Fear Bias Emporium. Allow me to introduce myself. I am Mr. Harry Harbinger. It's a pleasure to eat you. Oh, do excuse me. To meet you. You will find that I have an extensive array of artifacts and antiques acquired over quite some time. Each one has a unique story. Tell me, which one speaks to you? It seems this old typewriter has caught your attention. The irony is that this device is used to tell other stories, but no one tells the story of the typewriter. This particular typewriter was picked up from a secluded hotel where the unthinkable and unexplainable occurred. Susie was a woman who had always kept to herself. She valued her time alone. So much so, in fact, that she traveled long and far to spend the winter at this hidden hostel, with only one other small family of inhabitants within its walls. By the end of the season, she apprehended that isolation often incubates insanity. We welcome Susie to the podcast. Hello, Susie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Hey, I am glad you did this, not because it's like so out of the norm, but a lot of people still believe that women do not like horror films, and I think that's utter bullshit. And I'm just so glad to have you on as an example of that, because you and I are really good friends based on that. 
And I love that you are so down to watch all different types of horror as well. So yeah, I, I'm glad that you're actually here to do the show because I love having women on the show and it's so difficult to, to kind of find some in our like circle of friends that will be down to do this. <laughs> I know there's so many that would. So I appreciate that you came on today. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Of course, I think I probably, we've probably picked one of the least female friendly, uh, horror movies to do but we're here for it <laughs> yes yes uh because of the artifact of the typewriter Susie has chosen to possibly die from one of her <laughs> favorite horror movies and that's the shining by stanley kubrick uh real quick just briefly why the shining so for me I personally was a book reader first and so I was a big mm. stephen king book reader and uh, I've found a deep love of the movie The Shining that's very separate from the book. So I kind of have this like very specific relationship with the movie, with the book. And now anything that Mike Flanagan is going to do is just going to like tie that up perfectly because <laughs> there's nice. more coming apparently. So yeah, nice. nice. Excited about the TV show. Me too. <laughs> All right, so let's get started. We're going to go over the rules as usual. Susie has five friends that she has to use and get through the evening. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., she has 12 trivia questions to answer to survive the night. Uh, each friend has a specific ability to help her throughout the evening. Should you get through the the night with at least one of your friends still alive you win the game if we manage to stump you and take out every single member of your team you will lose you get a question wrong you lose one of your members but again you have the option to use abilities based on uh your friends so let's introduce them so first up is our misunderstood evil. It's Jack Torrance. Uh, Jack Torrance has the ability to give you a hint to the question. Next up is our zero to hero, Wendy Torrance. Zero to hero in no time flat. <laughs> right? Wendy has the ability to... Uh, Substitute the question. If you hear a question that you definitely know you don't know the answer to, you can substitute it for another. However, if you do substitute the question, you are on your own. You cannot use any of your remaining abilities on this next question. Got it. Next, you have me. <laughs> I will attempt to help you through this, but you will also get a 50-50 chance of getting it right. So our game master will present you with two possible answers, and one of them will be the correct answer. Okay. Next up, you have Dick Holleran, our magical Negro. Oh, he God. has the ability mm. to give you multiple choice. So you'll have most likely a four a multiple choice answers. One of them will be correct. And for those listening, if you don't know what a magical Negro is in film, look it up. Mm -hmm. Lastly, we have Danny Torrance, our innocent. Uh, usually we would have you keep him alive to the end. But again, this is not a slasher film. So no holds barred. If you manage to sacrifice him, 
power to you and his finger. So no, cannot, <laughs> cannot. Oh. But Danny Torrance actually has the ability to give you a second chance to a question. If you answer incorrectly, instead of sacrificing one of your friends, you may use his ability to try again. Got it. Okay. That's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Susie has chosen rated R for her game. That means the first three questions she is on her own. She cannot use any abilities from her friends until after the third question. Uh, You will not be able to advance to the next hour until the question is answered correctly, no matter how many times it takes you to get there. And we'll slightly have a little bit more of behind-the-scene questions outside of the movie. If you choose to pass on a question you know that you're not going to answer, you can do so as long as one of your friends has an ability left. Because that means one of your friends is injured and they lose their ability. They just don't die. All right, Nate, take it away. (sighs) Here we go. On our way up to the Overlook Hotel, it is 6 p.m. Question... Well, actually, we're going to do a little fun warm-up. This is new. Yeah, I I just couldn't help myself. Susie. Yes? What is the name of Mr. Ullman's secretary? It is Susie, and I totally was so excited about that. And she comes back later, too, and I'm like, there it is again. My name. <laughs> yep. She's been watching it. She passes. <laughs> we can have her on All the right. show. She passed preliminary. <laughs> Question number one. What is the name of the little boy living in Danny's mouth? Tony. That is correct. Yay! <laughs> I didn't Run know down. it was phrased that way. Living in his mouth? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It struck and when he a gets chord. scared, when he gets scared, he goes and hides in his stomach. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, there's a whole anatomy lesson in this movie. <laughs> All right. 7 p.m. We've arrived at the Overlook. We're admiring the hedge maze. Maybe some creatures will come to life. Question number two. Wendy informs Danny's doctor that Jack hasn't had a drink in how long? I think it's five months because at the bar he says to the bartender five months of miserable sobriety or something but it could be four months if it was a month before on the movie. Ah! Four months. Final answer? Final answer? Uh, Final answer. That is incorrect. Ah, darn it! Okay. But now I keep going, right? I have to keep guessing. If you... Yes, so you can either sacrifice a player uh you haven't used any of their abilities so you would also lose that ability i mean if you know the answer yeah like try again but if you feel like you maybe don't and you just want to skip it then sacrifice their ability but they'll still be alive so at least you have safety that is right you can that's right you can pass on the question if you want yeah okay but I could keep guessing because here's the thing. <laughs> There's <laughs> what's what's frustrating to me is I'm actually trying to do the math. I'm actually like, does that math add up based on his comment? It is the number of months of sobriety he had, right? I'm intense about this, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> well, so so I guess 
yeah think about i don't know just yeah when so i, I since i phrased it with wendy telling the doctor um yeah i'm trying to work she say to the doctor <laughs> yeah i know that makes me want to say then it's yeah oh, i hasn't had a drink in so it's not four months. So I, I would think it'd have to be three months would be my second attempt at guessing this. <laughs> I would like to sacrifice Jack. Okay. Jack has officially died. Okay, so I'm going to say goodbye to Dick Holleran's multiple choice ability. Oh. All right. All right. All right. 8 p.m. Question number three. What year did Delbert Grady murder his wife and daughters with an axe? Ooh, ooh, ooh. shoot, bang. Well, shoot. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> the, the date that I had sticking out in my mind so much was 1921 because that's when the photo's taken, but that's not when, that's not when that happened. And I'm trying to think back from 1980 where the movie takes place is how many years back was the Grady thing. Uh-oh. Yeah. I'm going to say it was 1970. Final answer? Final answer. That's correct. Oh, it is correct. It is correct. I was like, maybe it's a 10-year <laughs> thing, right? I was trying to think of it like that. Like, maybe it was like 10 years before it happened. Okay, yes. good. Yay. Now we are on question four. Question four. 9 p.m., Getting a little tour of the facilities. Stuart Ullman tells Wendy that the motifs in the Colorado Lounge are inspired by Navajo and which other tribe? Oh, ho, ho. that is a hard one. Oh, I am so screwed on this game, y'all. These are hard questions, Nate. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, that's <laughs> It's the information that popped out at me. <laughs> I was like, why couldn't you ask me the color of the car? I had that written down. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't even remember what color the car is. Is it blue? It's the same color as the ball Jack has, which is lello, yellow. <laughs> well, car would have killed me. <laughs> okay, so I, I, this is going to be, I'm actually going to use... I'm actually going to use an ability. On, may I use an ability on this? Yeah, thing? because definitely. Okay. Yes. Yeah, because this one's going to be tricky because this is like you have to know the name of it. And I don't like I I'm, don't know enough Native American tribes to just start listing them off in that way. So I think I'm going to use Wendy's ability to just get a substitute question. Okay, excellent. Uh, Wendy swung through with her bat and we are going to switch the question. What is the date of the Overlook Ball photo? 1921. Do you know the full date? July 4th. You are correct. <laughs> July 4th has significant um, meaning too. There's, there's some, that's actually like that Room 217 movie that talks about some of that. It was really interesting. That's funny. I was going to ask you if you knew or if you had seen it, if you'd seen that documentary. 
yeah, long time ago, and so I kind of like brushed up on it, but I forget that there's individuals who have read like really deep meanings into this and about like uh, July 4th, you know, Americans are like, yay, but if you look into the history yeah. of this, it's it's like the colonization stuff that's not awesome at all. So yeah, that's why that, yeah. that July 4th is like double meaning. <laughs> Very clever. Awesome job. Yeah. All right, you have made it to 10 p.m. Question number five. Besides Shelley Duvall, which other actor did Stanley Kubrick drive to tears? I think it's Scatman Crothers. I think it's the actor that played Dick Holleran. Final, Final answer? answer? Yeah. You are correct. Wow. Yes, Mr. Kubrick was terrorizing people on set made a black man mm-hmm. cry jesus i guess i guess stanley kubrick's daughter did like a 30 minute documentary of it of it like being filmed and dick Holleran like cries in the interview is <laughs> that's what that's what i that's what made me think it's him yeah so sad. i know <laughs> so sad and he begged for this role yeah, he was friends like, with jack nicholson and he was like hey tell him i'd like to be in the movie yeah they were in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest together. <laughs> I know all the things because <laughs> I was <Sad>. studying. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We are trucking along. 11 p.m. Question number six. What is the name of the drink spilled on Jack by Delbert? Ooh, that's a good one. I just watched that scene. Okay, I'm gonna take a guess here. I'm gonna guess it was a was a whiskey sour. Final answer, unconfidently. That is incorrect. Oh. <laughs> Darn, too uh, bad, too bad. Okay, so with that being said, okay. you have um, four people still alive. You have Wendy, myself, which you have not used the ability yet. And you also have Dick Holleran and Danny. Uh, I would say either Wendy or Dick Holleran, only because their abilities have been used before. Mm. Which one gets the chop? Or, I mean, if, or you, if you choose to answer it again, you yeah. could use Danny's ask old Rob for help. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, give you a 50-50 shot. Oh, there's no- Rob ha- how there's many no cocktails do you know? Yeah, <laughs> there's no way I'm gonna know this. Like that man and had a Shirley Temple, and that's that. I know it was a brown. Uh, I was like, I know it was like a brown liquor. I but I literally cannot think of the name of like those drinks. I, I look like it's probably a Manhattan. Yeah, it probably <laughs> is. But I think I'm going to. <laughs> I think I'm going to kill Wendy. Instead. Right. <laughs> Wendy is gone. You just made Danny an orphan. I know. <laughs> so now you have the 50-50, or you can just try again if you think you know it, but we we gotta <laughs> we gotta get through this one. So uh okay. do you think you know it or do you want some help? Or I guess or you can pass. Sacrifice- your ability yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can sacrifice another ability and you can just um, maim rob oh i seriously so i could so i could technically keep going if i like if i 
knock out Rob's ability, basically. That's yeah. right. I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Sorry, Rob. <laughs> no, all good. All good. Okay. Um, well, she still has Danny's. She hasn't used Danny's yet. That's gone. Okay, so I have one ability left and three people alive. Exactly. Yes. Let's do yes. this. <laughs> and you are halfway through the night. Apparitions abound. Midnight. Question number seven. Stephen King was opposed to the casting of which actor? My understanding is he was opposed to the casting of Jack Nicholson because of his performance in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's going to be my final answer. You are correct. Nice. He was not happy about crazy old Jack being crazy (laughs) old Jack. Did Stephen ever mention who he did prefer? Yes, he gave a few options. Like Christopher Reeve is the one I remember. Oh, I would have loved to see that. Oh, my goodness. And he's got that height thing, too. Oh, that would have been beautiful. That all-American man going crazy, he would have... Oh, yeah. He would have ruined my childhood. I actually (laughs) would have loved to have seen that. (laughs) Yeah, because the thing that I kind of understand from it is Stephen King wants to tell a story about, like, a flawed complicated but not like evil person that becomes evil through the but then like with Kubrick it's like a guy who's already there trying not yeah. to go full blown crazy and that's not it's a different story and I think that's what challenges King when he's like wait <laughs> that's yeah. not my story <laughs> Yeah, this isn't what I signed up for <laughs> alright good job 1am Question number eight. You're doing great. Who tried to burn down the Overlook? All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a guess, and then I could always use my second chance if I want to try again, right? Yes. Okay. I'm I'm going to guess that Wendy tried to burn it down. I'm very confused about the burning it down because I'm th- I can't think through is the boiler scenes well, but I don't know. Why I'm so hung up on this one. I'm gonna guess that though, like a dummy. Let's do it. <laughs> Final answer. That is incorrect. Oh, yep. nice try. I know this is gonna yes. be a tough one for me because. So sorry, Rob. I'm gonna kill you for that wrong answer. <laughs> oh my god okay so i have died and you have um i think i tried to get i tried to get my baby boy home (laughs) good you have dick hollering and danny left (laughs) that's fine if one of us makes it i'm i'm fine so so rob you're dead um (laughs) (laughs) and then also See you later, second chance in this stupid question. <laughs> I'm so confused by it, though, and I'm feeling dumb about it because I'm going to. Can you guys tell me what the answer was? Is that- so I, I, I'll tell you. So it was uh, one of the girls, one of Delbert's oh. daughters. When he's talking to, to him in the bathroom and he's like, one of my daughters got some matches and tried to burn it down. And, and I corrected her. 
Um, That's right. And I should have yeah. thought about where we were in the journey. Yeah. Okay. I seriously, I was, cause that's yeah. why I was so confused. Cause I was like, at the end, I know that actually the boilers is like a thing with yeah. fire, but it's like, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. And that, since, my brain <laughs> Yeah. Like the boiler's not really in this version of the movie. So right. I wasn't going to like be tricky and unless I was like, Oh, in the book, then I, right. then, you know, that would be uh, like behind the scenes or whatever, but yeah. Yeah, I just um, couldn't figure out for the life of me, though, who that was. That's a good one. Okay, <laughs> fair, fair game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on to 2 a.m. Question number nine. Which city does Dick Halloran travel from to help Danny? Oh, my God, I almost said that answer out loud. <laughs> I don't know what possessed me right now. It's the shine. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the names of the places he said. God, I'm thinking of him at the. I'm thinking of him at the bar when he's saying, "All the way from Portland, Maine to Portland, Oregon." I'm trying to think of where they went. They were living in Boulder, Colorado. He's somewhere warm. He's so he's in Florida, I think. I'm going to guess I'm going to guess Flo- Florida as my mm. final answer. And it's the city I'm looking for. Oh the for. city! Oh son of a gun. That's where I'm gonna get screwed here, guys. <laughs> Sorry. You were such an I'm, asshole. He says it! Okay, I'm sorry. He said it more than once. Even he... Oh, actually, maybe he doesn't say it more than once. But he says it, and then there's something else that says it. So that's why I was like, oh, how significant. I know. I know. And I'm also sort of like... I was kind of reading on my phone when that part of the movie was playing. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, I already know. I know where he's going. To his I know, reading it on the show, like reading about The Shining instead of watching the movie. I'm missing parts of the questions. Okay, let me try let me try Miami, Florida final answer. Susie, look at that. You got it. Hey! Oh, good. Good thing I, I actually knew that one. I actually knew that one. Yeah. I'm so proud of myself. Ooh, yeah. yeah. But that's also from the miniseries. The miniseries makes it completely clear he went to Miami, so... Yeah. Yeah. I was like thinking, I was thinking about it this way, Rob, and you'll appreciate it because I was, I was texting Rob as I was watching the film. So, <laughs> so I know it's in Florida, but Dick Calran, with that painting he's got on his bedroom wall, he is not a Tampa man. He is a Miami <gasps> man. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes. Those this guy's paintings. not coming in. Yeah. He's not coming in from Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's not spending time at Disney. That's oh my goodness. I love That's so it. funny too. Yeah, because when it was revealed, like, because the newscaster says, hey, Miami News or whatever. And I was like, Miami? This bedroom doesn't feel like Miami. This house, I don't know. I was like, I need a palm tree out the window because I'm not convinced. <laughs> they like shot deep this. velvet. He's, he's yeah. Like, he's, it's like velvet walls and velvet carpet. I don't I think this it. is Miami, sir, but all right. <sighs> you did it. All right. But it is 3 a.m. Question 10. 
During filming, Kubrick made it so Danny Lloyd believed he was not shooting a horror film, but instead a film from which other genre? According to Wikipedia, <laughs> I mean, this one came from Wikipedia. <laughs> it did. I know. I'm like, I. That means I was reading the damn thing earlier today. And I, was, <laughs> I guess I'm just gonna take an educated guess to say. And you said genre. I'm just. I, I'm gonna say that he was making a, a drama. Final answer. <laughs> Good educated guess. You are correct. Oh wow. Thank yes, yes, he uh, was. Side... Oh, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say yes. He was trying to be protective. He was very protective of the child on set, so he was very nice to him. He just treated a lot of the adults like shit. <laughs> That's exactly it. And this is this feels like a perfect time to just drop this little nugget of my personal trivia around Danny, <laughs> which yes, is that my husband, <laughs> yeah, my husband's mother. Because so when when they're trying to find Danny, they did audition open call auditions in all these cities, and they were in Chicago, and so my husband auditioned for the role of Danny when he was eight years oh, old. My <laughs> God! I know, isn't that cool? Just to kind of yeah. like, wow, he could have been in the movie. That's wow, awesome. wow. Yeah, he unfortunately did it, and that little boy does an excellent job. So I'm like, sorry, sorry, honey. You know, <laughs> software development was your your. Your your future, not not this, but it's a Who great knew? story. <laughs> that is, that's awesome! Wow. Ah, well, four a.m. Question eleven. We've all fully lost our minds. How many times does Wendy witness apparitions during the final chase? So I'm gonna actually maybe say them out. I'm gonna say the ones I think she sees. She sees Grady and that wolf thing, right? I think she sees the two girls who are not twins, who are sisters, which would actually be four. And then I'm trying to think through if she sees anybody else. Does she see the woman? I'm gonna say I'm gonna say five final answer. That is incorrect. Okay. So now I gotta kill. <laughs> I know. Okay. So, so I'm gonna kill Dick Halloran. I'm trying to get my baby boy home. Uh. Okay. I'm going to. This is it. Otherwise, Dan. I'm sorry, Danny. If I get this wrong, you're dead. I'm gonna say six. Final answer. Ah. <sighs> That is incorrect. Oh, was so it four? Close. It was four. It was oh. four. I should have gone the other direction. You had yeah. it. You had it. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, so close. Yeah. That Susie is a victim of her own fandom. She has yes. died. The Shining. <laughs> so, so I was so counting. Close. Yeah. So she, when he when she sees the first one is. Yeah, that the weird bear costume, whatever that thing was. <laughs> That's a moment. Yeah. Um, and then she sees some other ghost who's drinking and bleeding from the head. Um, and then she comes to a room where there's like lots of spider webs and a bunch of just skeletons sitting around. 
And then the fourth thing she sees is the elevator doors opening and the blood coming everywhere. So those were like... Yeah, I was like, are you counting the blood in the elevator or an actual person? I wasn't sure what you meant by apparitions. Yeah, and that's why I was like, apparitions, I don't know. I was like trying to like use a word that was like, not just ghosts, but like... Maybe I should have used a different word. I'm sorry. So um, real quickly, go through the questions that she passed on. Let's tell everyone who's listening what the right answers were. Yeah, Yeah, so question two. You you did have that right at first. You said five months and it was five months. Like she, she tells the doctor five months and then he says five months to Lloyd. Like he doesn't. But it's yeah. Okay, but so, it's actually like a wrong thing in the movie, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, you're right. It's so, what, it is what she says. But that the thing that I got stuck on is that I don't remember what she said. So then I tried to logic backwards from what he said. But it it literally says there's like a placard thing that will go like it goes like one month later. So that's why I think I'm yeah. trying to put that in. But yeah, okay. Sorry. I love how serious. I love how seriously though. I'm taking each of these to be like, well, this is where, this is what was happening, <laughs> y'all. Okay. <laughs> this is the math. The math is mathing. Um, let's see. What was the other one that was skipped? Oh, um, so you skipped. Um, wait. Oh, so you and you uh you had changed the question when I asked you about the two native tribes, which oh, yeah. that was hard. I'm sorry. It just really <laughs> stuck out to me. Um, it was Navajo and Apache. Apache, um, okay. Yeah, which I was also like, these are like the two common ones that I don't know. I feel like a lot of people are always like throwing yeah. those out. I heard, um, and, I, and it was like an A name, but I didn't want to do the quintessential white person thing of being like, let me totally butcher this really quick for everybody <laughs> out here. <laughs> Sorry. And the, yeah, and the drink question, like what drink was that? Yes, so the drink was... Advocat. Oh. Yeah, it was Rob, this weird... Rob, you would have gotten that, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was a weird yellow drink. Um, yeah, and it's funny, like, and I had come up with a hint. Um, the hint was the devil's advocat. So I don't know. I was trying to like... If it didn't ring a bell at all, you would have been like, this hint makes no sense at all. Yeah, I don't uh, think I've ever heard of that drink before. Neither have some I. Of the, some of the ones that I was curious if you would, these were some of the ones I was like, I wonder if he'd ask me these that I think you guys would like. One was that the, the sisters aren't twins. So that's like a, that's like a good one, yes. right? The other one that I was really interested in was apparently Jack Nicholson. Like <laughs> the first time he did the axe thing, he just like destroyed the door because he was a volunteer fire marshal and firefighter. And they had yeah. to slow him down because he was just destroying it <laughs> yeah he was too powerful yep yeah that's so funny yes i i got to learn a lot about this movie that i i didn't know previously um full disclosure Susie, um it's not my favorite movie um <laughs> what no <laughs> i know um and i've, I've never read the book um I'm not smart enough to read Stephen King books. I don't know what my problem is. I really try. And then I'm like, what? I'm lost. Um, but I did, and I did watch the mini series when I was a kid. And I, I really liked that. Mm-hmm. But I got to learn so much just like 
you know, about poor Shelley Duvall's experience, which scene, according to the Guinness Book of Records, was shot 127 times because Kubrick insisted. And it was (laughs) the scene where she's backing up the staircase with the baseball bat because... Yeah, she had to swing that bat. Yeah. yeah, she filmed the bad scene. So that's actually one that I put. That's one of my numbers. I put was the 127. <laughs> um, the filming of it. I was also it was also interesting to learn a little bit about the location shootings because I had actually conflated that it was King that was at the st- the actual hotel it's modeled after. But there's actually like three or four different places you can go to see like a a piece of this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really cool. Like, and I'm like, oh, I need to go to Oregon. I had no idea it was that close. <laughs> I'll actually say this, though, which may be a shock to the listeners since the premise of this was being a super fan. But on the rewatch, I do think that there's some really good points about the miniseries being stronger and the storytelling of the King version of it being stronger. And I think so much of what maybe I love about the Kubrick version is more of the actual film methodology that he's using like the score is insane i one thing is bruiser was like freaking out that high pitch just goes on for so long yeah it's just kind of amazing to and like his sweeping scenes and then also like learning about the fact that that camera that you can do the things like his um cycling through the hallways that had like just started being used in films and so that was considered this like very state-of-the-art scene at the time so i think for those reasons it's obviously in some ways a masterpiece, but I, I can very much Nate see where it's like, you know, is this the best storytelling? Is this the best? Like, it's very, at the end of the day, it's just this very linear kind of Jack Nicholson vehicle in some respects. So (laughs) I still enjoy it though. And really no shade to anyone who enjoys the original Shining um, the, or the Kubrick one, I should say. Uh, I, I just have a, a different view on what I find entertaining and not to say that the original Shining to me is a complete bore. It's just for repeat value. It's it definitely goes down like I will watch that miniseries no matter how long it is. It's about a three and a half hour miniseries. I'll watch that anytime you want but like i just can't sit and just say i want to watch this dry ass movie for two hours and a half i can't and as i continue (laughs) to like live on and and grow up and and have more thoughts about how you know the type of movies that i want i just can't watch shelly duvall that way it's just really difficult for me to look at her just yeah. completely out of like I I don't know there was just yeah. I, I'm not gonna get into it but it's just I can't watch yeah. her that way it it mm-hmm. just not something yeah, to mean, really look forward to yeah I, that's totally fair and I think that's a little bit of this rewatch too is like some of these long stretches of the hysterics that go on do kind of grate on you if you're not in the right mm-hmm. mind frame which is why I, I really like this is my final plug. Mike Flanagan's here paying me on the side, but I was gonna yeah. say it's like the my husband and I we had dinner last night out and we I was telling I was telling him how excited I was to do this and one of the things that I was telling him is how great Doctor Sleep is because the way he yeah, like the way he weaves the movie and the book and the sequel yeah. <laughs> all together. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. I love that man. I love that. And man. that is yeah. the thing about it too. It's like I may not be a big fan of the Kubrick Shining, but the Shining itself I have no problem with. 
Dr. Sleep was amazing. And even though I don't repeat the first one that much, I understand the outline and I can still get real giddy over callbacks and things that actually yeah. makes the movie make sense. Dr. Sleep was great. And yeah. so, yeah, no shade is just I didn't just dig his version. That's it. But The Shining, I thought was great. So, yeah, the third yeah. act of Dr. Sleep is amazing with callbacks to exactly your point. Even if you didn't like that, you, you do find yourself just being like, wow, they're going for it. He got them back there. Yeah. Wow, man. They when they no, they honestly, it. that shot of the hotel, I got happy mm -hmm. and it was. Like a fan really wouldn't care, but I was like, oh my God, this is great. What is going to happen in this hotel? And I was very, very impressed. I was very impressed. Yeah. And uh, with The Shining, Susie, what would you say is like, do you have a favorite part? Is there any kind of metaphor or symbolic thing that happens that stands out to you? I think that there's, there, for me, there are certain dialogue scenes that I think are, are really good. They just suck me in. One that I always find myself, even if I'm sort of passively watching, I'll snap to, is the first time Dick uh, Halloran and um, Danny talk. And he that's really, a, that is just a masterful scene. And the, just the quiet steadiness of his voice. As a viewer, you've been confused a bit about what's all happening. And this is sort of that, it, it just starts to, open up the movie more and so that that's usually one i really like and then i like his bar scene i just think that that is creepily expertly executed and jack nicholson is not my favorite actor by a long shot but boy he does creepy like guy you don't want to be with like at all he does that so well so well <laughs> good lord <laughs> so one last question that i had for you is it possible for you to explain the ending on him ending up in the photo? The explanation that I've read that I like the best is that there's a theme in the film of two versions. So you see this a lot. So there's like the two sisters and, and there's, and there's like the, did you notice that it was, um, the Grady name changes, right? He introduces himself not as Charles Grady, but as Del Delbert Grady. Yeah. And yeah. And so one of the things they were saying is that there's like, there, there's always been a version of Jack Torrance that's in that photo. And then there's a version of him that is susceptible to this. And there's that, that version of him has a choice and he chooses mm. to stay and become the photo. Like that's, a, I mean, it's, it's a little bit of a, I mean, I'm probably reading in a little from the book, a little bit from everything, but just that it was sort of faded in that way. Now, the other thing is, though, in the book, one of the big differences, I think, is that all work and no play, that's just for the movie. And they just bill it as like Jack Nicholson's crazy with his writer's block. But in the miniseries, like you guys see in the, in the book, he finds a scrapbook of like all this stuff and all these other people that have been sucked into it. So then if, if you're going that path, it's like, he's like, he's, it's like, that's your, what happens is you get absorbed into it. Right. And they find a place for you. And I guess that photo was where they found a place for him. Interesting. <laughs> okay. Thank you for that. And for, you know, playing the game, we really appreciate it. I hope you had a good time <laughs> with this. I had so much fun. And I actually, even though I'm dead <laughs> and not that didn't make it and i killed five <laughs> people real quick i did 
feel happy that I made it at least till almost the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, bonus question. Do you know the two stars of the Diet Mountain Dew commercial that parodied The Shining? I don't. This one I'm wasn't going to be like a, a question that would kill you. I just thought it was funny. Um, the que- It came out like two years ago. Um, Brian Cranston is. Oh, yes. I remember this commercial. He, oh, he this comes was... through. Yes, Look this is up. amazing. It's and so then... good. Yeah, go ahead. Maybe I shouldn't even tell you who the wife is because it's just so funny when he busts through the door and what she does when he, he busts through the door. Susie, I'm sure I sent oh. this to you. I mean, just I will look at yeah, just from yeah. hearing the question, I'm like, what are you talking about? But yes, this commercial was dead on the funniest thing. It's great. Okay, so then this will absolutely be the very last thing I say about this because I could go on and on and on. But because you said uh, Brian Cranston, this mm-hmm. is one of the coolest little things that I read. So Vince Gilligan, who's the creator of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, he's like a fan of other things. So he's apparently a huge Shining fan. And so in Breaking Bad, uh, there's a cop radioing and it begins KDK-12, which is the radio address at Overlook. Uh... And, And then if you watch the show, the Salamanca twins, who are like the guys that are identical, that are evil, like with their axes... He is homaging The Shining as those are the twins. Wow. Which I, yeah, I thought that was cool. There's there's another one too. If you're a Sopranos fan, there's a really cool one where it's like Vince Gilligan named one of the characters Juan Bolsa, and he's got like a nickname, and the translation of it is Johnny Sack because on Sopranos, they're both like playing the same character. So it's cool trivia with Vince Gilligan. He like he's like the king of Easter eggs. But <laughs> thank you all for listening. Let us know if you managed to survive the night based on the questions Nate gave. Let us know on social media, Beer Bias, both on Instagram and uh, Twitter. Oh, really? All right. Oh, now that I've murdered Susie, sorry. We're gonna wrap this mother up and. Uh, I know that reference. <laughs> Sometimes we stub our toes in other genres. Um, this bitch really is just so easy. It comes so easily. Don't have to think about it. So after Wendy is hysterical. Oh, and by the way, I'm pulling this from The Shining because we just did it. So Wendy's hysterical. She runs to Jack and she tells him somebody's in the hotel and she, there's a woman who attacked Danny. So, you know, old Jack, he's already like on the brink of insanity through this whole movie. He goes to the room 237 and he finds a naked woman, a beautiful naked woman in the bathtub. And she gets out, and he proceeds to make out with her. And, um, look, if you've never seen the movie or anything, I don't know. Do you think that this scenario is going to end well at all? At all? Bitch. Bitch. Bitch, really. You're just so, ugh. I mean, it it doesn't end well, okay? She turns into a, a really old broad who is dead. She did. Um... But I don't know who walks into bathrooms looking for someone that assaulted your child and then proceeds to make out with them. I don't know. And I know he's he's kind of like losing it and he's affected by the hotel, but gross. 
Yeah, I mean, this is this goes under the rule of, you know, no sex will keep you alive. You know, avoid the luring of, you know, temptress and seduction and seduction, seductive and, you know, and just avoid all of that. Keep a level head, you know, jerk off before you walk into a haunted house. You you won't be tempted by demons trying to seduce you like keep Ugh. focus and you will live. Ugh. But yeah, I don't understand the point of that. And like, she's going to run off and tell the wife, like, she's not going to keep the ah, secret. You right. know? Hey, <laughs> bitch, you know I just smacked your kid around and now I'm jacking your husband off in the bathroom. Hee hee. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody else that's supposed to be in this place anyway. Like, what are you going to do with her after you've made out with her? <laughs> well, slap on the wrist. Shouldn't be strangling my son. Come on, <laughs> let's go out into the snow with you. <sighs> Ridiculous. I guess that's it for us. Um, once again, happy Pride Month. Love yourself. Love each other. Um, the world is fucking crazy right now. America's fucking crazy right now. Um, so just, you know, do the best you can. Do the best you can to help others and um, be supportive. Just because you think something doesn't affect you doesn't matter. It's affecting other people. So that should be enough cause for you to pay attention and stand up for what's right. Um, yeah. So I'll leave you with that. Uh, wave your rainbow flags or your intersex flags. Oh, yeah. Bonus. In Salt Lake City, there was this one little part of town where they had multiple flags. It wasn't just oh, nice. like a rainbow flag. Yeah, the pansexual flag. And I was like, oh, this town is so great. That's um, very yeah. But um, yeah. Love you guys. Um, we'll see you in July. See you in July.